I, I want to talk about your faith today because your faith is utmost important. But to get there, I want to first of all talk a little bit about adventure because all of us understand adventure. In fact, if we were at your house for 4th of July, we could sit around and tell adventure stories for hours. I've got hundreds of adventure stories. You've got hundreds of adventure stories. I mean, they go back when I was a little boy and, you know, did things I wasn't supposed to do and got in the canoe and Steve Rupenthal and I almost drowned. My parents don't know that story to this day. They'll probably podcast this message and find out in a week, you know. Um, Danita and I went water skiing when we were newly married. And we had a truck to take a boat, and the truck broke down. It was Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. We rented a U-Haul. We took a U-Haul from Noblesville, Indiana, to Lake Cumberland. We got to the, to the campgrounds about midnight. It was raining. We decided not to, there's four of us. We decided not to put the tents up. We slept in the back of the U-Haul that first night. I woke up to voices. I opened that great big U-Haul door, and there's 20 people outside in the campground looking inside of our U-Haul. We thought maybe y'all were dead. <laughs> Everybody has adventures. You've got adventure story. On that same, same water skiing trip, I fell asleep in a lounge chair about two and a half feet from the fire. This is after I've been water skiing all day. And my lovely, godly, wonderful, caring wife wrapped me in toilet paper. <laughs> I woke up at the campfire two and a half feet from the fire completely wrapped in toilet paper. And I said, Danita, it just takes one ember and I am toast. I am history. I don't know if it had anything to do with the new life insurance policy on me. I don't know. I don't know. But it, you've got adventure stories. You've got all kinds of stories you can tell from canoeing and biking and hiking and walking and vacationing. You've got all types of adventure stories in your life. You've got educational adventure stories. You decided that you'd be the first person in your entire family that went to college. You, you've got academic adventure stories. You decided to go back for a master's degree or a PhD or, or you went to nursing school. Everybody in the room wants to live an adventure. And when we look at our nation and we think about, my gosh, those people that got on the Mayflower and those 56 men a couple hundred years later who signed the Declaration of Independence, everybody loves adventure, right? Amen. Everybody enjoys being a part of an adventurous lifestyle. And so as Christians, God's called us to live an adventure. As believers in Jesus Christ, we all are a part of this great adventure that God has called every one of us into. Now, the key ingredient, however, for this adventure always comes back to faith. And I kind of just want to give you the punchline early today. You're not really supposed to do that in a sermon. You're supposed to unveil the mystery. But I don't, I'm not sure that we can connect all the dots. I know you're smart, but I want you to connect all the dots early on. You see, God's called every one of us to an adventure, and the adventure for him requires amazing faith. And so first of all, it requires amazing faith for you to live the adventure that God's called you to live. But second of all, it takes ginormous, I'm not sure that's a word, it takes ginormous amount of faith to live through the storms of life. And so we're going to talk about you living your adventure, and how much faith does that require, and talking about how much faith it requires to live through the storms, because we'll always have the storms, right? 
There'll always be storms. There's always Andreas coming into your life, not Dr. Andrea, but Andrea's in our life like the, the storm that happened this past week. There's always storms in your life. So first of all, I want us to look at a whole passage of scripture with Peter and the disciples, and there was an adventure. It comes from Matthew chapter 14. Don't, you don't have to turn there yet. We'll come back to it in just a minute. I want us to stand. We're going to read this entire section of Scripture in Matthew 14, and we're going to read it out loud together. Five slides long. Ready? I don't know. Have you had your Wheaties this morning? Huh? Five slides. Can we do it? We can do it. All right, here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the... Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Buffeted by the, should be the wind, isn't it? Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. There we go. Now we're picking up. Ready? Here we go. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That wasn't easy, was it? Sit down. Have a seat. Have a seat. Now, several things that happen in that passage of Scripture that have to happen in your life. In other words, in order for you and I to be able to live the adventure that God has called us to live, we have to have enormous faith. The disciples at this point did not really understand who Jesus was. Here's the catch. You see, you and I won't live the adventure that God's called us to live if we don't really understand who he is. And there's a great difference between wanting a drink and between being thirsty And the disciples at this point, they weren't thirsty. They weren't really thirsty for who God was and for what God could do in their life. At this point, Jesus made them rock stars. At this point, Jesus elevated their status. They didn't understand who he was. And so in this passage of scripture that we just read, there's two stories that are on both sides. And our story is sandwiched in between two amazing stories. And on the one side, just before the story about Peter getting out of boat, is the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. Now, why is that so significant? Because the feeding of the 5,000 men, and by the way, it's 5,000 men, 5,000 women, and let's say 2.2 kids, Okay. So we got over 20K, Jesus feeds over 20,000, the day was about to close, and Jesus said to the disciples, let's feed them. And they go, we can't feed them. 
We got a boy with, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish. We can't possibly feed him. Jesus said, have everybody sit down. Everybody sit down, and Jesus then blessed it, and they fed all the people, and 12 basketfuls were left over. So here we got the story of Peter walking on water, but the story right before it is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, right after Peter walking on water is the story of Jesus healing all these people. Why is this significant? Why does Matthew tell all these three stories right together? Because the disciples were following Jesus, but they didn't understand who he was. And until you and I understand who he is, you'll never have the faith to fully live the adventure that God has called you on. And you will never have the faith then to live through the storms of life because the storms are coming. The storms always come. And in this story today, we learn a couple of things about, about Peter. We learn a couple of things about the disciples. And we learn a whole lot about ourselves. And so here's Jesus. And he's trying to reveal who he is to the disciples. Because if the disciples can just get a glimpse that he is the son of God, that he is the great I am, that he is the savior of the world. If they can get a glimpse as to who Jesus is, then they will have the faith to live their amazing adventure. Do you really think that life's about you? Do you really think that every day you get up, you go to school, you go to work, so that you can like live a little easier or better life? Do you think that God created us just so that we can have a little bigger piece of real estate or a little bigger slice of the pie? I mean, isn't there something in your spirit that says there's got to be something more to, the, to this life? And every man and every woman and every boy and every girl, God has a plan for your life. He has an amazing plan for your life. And God wants to be able to use you to expand his kingdom. And until we understand who he is, we probably will never have the faith to really jump in and join the God adventure. And so what does Jesus do? In the middle of this story, right before it, he reveals that I am the one who provides. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides. I can provide bread. I can provide fish. I can provide an amazing meal. And at the end of this story, after Peter tries to walk on water, Jesus reveals, I am also Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals, the God who heals. And so this year, we're telling all these different stories to strengthen your faith. And the reason why this is so important to me is because I understand that unless you really recognize who God is and who Jesus is, you'll not join and you'll not live the adventure that you were created to live. And every one of us in this room have been called to live an adventure for the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me now to Matthew chapter 14, and we'll look into this story kind of verse by verse. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to get there in just a second. I want you to, re to get there because here's, what, here's where he wants to take you. You turn to Matthew 14. I'm going to flash Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 on the screen. You see, this is where God wants to take you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. That's what God has in store for your life. There is such a God adventure in your life. Maybe it's with kids. Maybe it's with teenagers. 
Maybe it's with short-term mission trips. Maybe it's making money and giving money away. Maybe it's, I don't know. But this is where God's taking you, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Your adventure for God, your adventure with God can be far bigger than you could ever dream or imagine. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Now, why did he do this? Why, why is the word immediate there? Because right before this, Jesus just feeds 20-some thousand people. And immediately, Jesus got, made them get into the boat, go on ahead of him. What's he talking about? The disciples get in the boat, and you row seven or eight miles across this lake, and he dismisses the crowd. Now, why did Jesus do that? Because the crowds wanted to force Jesus to be king. We learned that from John, John chapter 6. And John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, this is the feeding miracles, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountainside by himself. And so here we have Jesus recognizing that everybody's about to come and make him the king. And he says, all right, time out. I want you to dismiss the crowd. Disciples, I want you to get into the boat. And I want you to row across the other side because his time wasn't ready yet. And what were they looking for? They were looking for a political Messiah. They weren't looking for a, a spiritual Messiah. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Let's look at the next verse. And it says this. It says, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, don't you always think that's kind of interesting? How much time Jesus spent alone. Now, how much time do you and I spend alone? Or how much time do we spend quietly connecting with, with God? Jesus dismissed the crowd. He goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Verse 24. On the boat, and they were already on the boat. They were considerable distance from the land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So you got the disciples. What are they doing? They're trying to cross the other side. There's a storm. The storm rolls up. The storm's blowing up. These professional fishermen, these professional oarsmen, they're having the dog fight of their life. And this squall has come up on this small lake, and they can't get to the other side. They're rowing and rowing and rowing for hours, and they just can't seem to get there. Look at the next verse. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Now, this is the middle of the night. This is the middle of the night. This is about 4 o'clock in the morning. Jesus goes out to them walking on the lake. What would you think at this point? Look at the next verse, verse 26. Well, the disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. You know why? They don't know who he is. Don't miss this. They don't understand who he is. And this is my whole point this morning. Maybe this is new to you. Keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. But maybe you've been in church for a while and you still don't really recognize who he is, what he can do. The disciples are terrified because so far they're following Jesus because Jesus made them popular. He's the most popular rabbi of the day. And following Jesus right now gave them accolades, made them look good. They became legends. They're following a rock star. They've become rock stars. They really don't understand who Jesus is. 
They're terrified. And they cried out in amazing fear. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. And remember when we studied on Yahweh a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and the name Yahweh means ever revealing. This is when God revealed himself to Moses. It is I. Jesus is fulfilling all these Old Testament names of God. He's fulfilling Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides manna. He is, he is the God, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And now he is Yahweh. I am revealing myself to you. Because if you never understand who I am, you'll never live the adventure I've called you to live. And Jesus said, take courage. It is I. He didn't say it's me, right? He didn't say it's me. It, it, it is I. It, it's the I am. And he says, do not be afraid. Here's what happens in Job. Look at this. This is so cool. Job chapter 9 says he stretches out the heavens. And he treads. He treads on the waves of the sea. Can you see Jesus just walking out there on the water like this? How cool would that be? If you like water, how, that'd be cool, right? If you're afraid of water, that's a nightmare for you. But if you like water, yeah, this is cool. You see Jesus just, he's just treading out. The storm, the waves, the swales are blowing. Everybody's just, Jesus just calmly walking on the water. Look at what Psalm 77 says. It says, your, your path led through the sea. And your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. How cool is that? Look at the next verse in Matthew chapter 14. Lord, I'm really not sure who you are. I haven't quite figured you out yet. We're following you because you've made us popular. You follow, we're following you because by following you, people follow us and we like that. Lord, I'm really not sure who you are, Peter replied, but tell me to come to you on the water. If, if it's really you, then, then ask me to get out of the boat. Now, I, I love this story because even though there's an incredible storm going on, oftentimes we begin to feel like if there's a storm, then maybe we're not in God's will. Perhaps if there's a storm in your marriage or there's a storm in your your job, or there's a storm in your family, maybe we shouldn't have moved. Maybe we shouldn't have bought. Maybe we shouldn't have taken the job. Now, here's what's interesting about this. I agree with that some of the time. Before you do anything, I think you should ask God, Lord, do you want us to move? Lord, do you want me to take this job? Lord, do you want me to go to school? Lord, do you want me to buy this? Lord, do you want me to sell this? Lord, do you want me to have this? I think that's a really good question. And I think you should pray about it. And if you're not, still not sure, I think you should fast about it. By going without food, you dial into some more power that God will give to you. So once you've done that and God's given you peace about buying something or moving someplace or doing something, the, the second question that is, is, okay, I'm in the middle of a storm, but I'm still in the middle of God's will. And so often we begin to conclude that if there's any storms in our life, that we may not be in God's will. That isn't always true. Sometimes you can be in the middle of God's will and in the center of an amazing storm. So the first question is, is, am I in your will, Lord? And if I am in your will, then I still have a storm. Can you give me the faith to be able to live the adventure and to get through the storm that you've called me to be? And so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, would you tell me to come to you on the water. 
Because here's where he's taking it. He's taking you to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He's taking you to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. In your adventure, in your life, God can do more through you than you could ever dream or imagine. And in the storms of life that you experience, God can receive more glory from you and through you than you could ever dream or you could ever imagine. So I'm going to go back to Matthew 14, verse 29. Here's what he said. Jesus said, come. Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. Jesus said, well, come on. Well, come on. Now let's think about this for just a second. You got 12 guys in the boat, right? 11 guys weren't about to get out of the boat. How come 11 guys stayed in the boat? How come one guy had enough faith to live his adventure? Well, maybe he was crazy. I I agree with that. Maybe he is crazy. I, I think he had tremendous faith. I think at this point, Peter's finally figuring out who Jesus is. Because if Jesus said to come, Peter was going to come. Peter figured out who Jesus was. Have you figured out who Jesus Christ is? That's really the fundamental question this morning. Is he Lord? You see, to these guys in the boat, he's a prophet. To these guys in the boat, he's a good teacher. To these guys in the boat, you know, he's somebody that's popular and bringing them notoriety. But to Simon Peter, Peter was about to get dialed in that Jesus was worth everything. And he would surrender every part of his, 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 all the aspects of his life, Peter would surrender unto him. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. Now, this is amazing to me. Because Peter had enough faith to walk on water. You ever thought about that? You're going, no, 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 wait a minute, Kurt. You forgot the rest of the story. No, 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 I'm not there yet. Peter had enough faith to walk on water. And some of you in this room, you have that much faith. Some of you in the room, you have enough faith to get out of your little boat, your comfort zone, and you have enough faith to be able to trust and obey and follow Christ wherever he leads you. This is amazing to me that Peter had enough faith to walk on water. And some of you have enough faith to teach in the children's department. Some of you have enough faith to go on short-term mission trips. Some of you moms and dads have enough faith to read your Bibles and pray with your kids on their way to school. Some of you have enough faith to put Jesus Christ in the center of your homes. And Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat in the midst of a squall, a storm, and he walked on water. The dude's my hero, guys. He's my hero. He's walking on water. Come. And he came toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink. Peter had enough faith to live his adventure. But at that moment, he didn't have enough faith to live through his storm. He had enough faith to live his adventure. But he didn't have enough faith to live through a storm. Lord, save me. Verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And Jesus said, what? You have little faith. And what's Jesus trying to elevate in your life and in my life? Well, first of all, I am convinced that all of us are to live an adventure. 
And he's called you and he's called me to live a godly Christ-like adventure for him. And so we muster up enough faith in him. What? Just how do we get more faith? Do we just say, I want more faith? I just, I'm just going get, to get more faith. How do, how do we get more faith? You don't just say, I want to get it, do you? There has to be a revelation. There has to be an insight. There has to be a recognition. There has to be an understanding of who Jesus is. Verse 32, why did you doubt? And, he cl- and they climbed down into the boat. And guess what happened? The wind. See, Jesus gets into the boat. And all of a sudden, the storm is over. And all the disciples are going, did you see that? Did you see that? Did, did you recognize that when the dude got in the boat, and we're not talking about Peter, the wind calmed down. And then maybe they remember the other story that Jesus said to the wind and the waves, and they woke him up one other time in the boat. Jesus said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves just died down. Look at what happens next. They recognized who Jesus was. Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. Then those that were in the boat, they worshiped him, and they recognized who Jesus was, and their lives were never the same. My encouragement to you today is that A, you have an adventure, B, you will have storms. I don't know how many storms you will have, but you will have storms. And my encouragement to you today is to recognize who Jesus is, to recognize that he is the Son of God, that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. That Jesus Christ is the great I Am. And until you recognize that he's not just a good teacher, that he's not just a good prophet, He's not just, you know, a good leader until you recognize that he is the I am of God. I don't think you'll ever have enough faith to live the adventure that God has called you to live. So let's talk about your adventure just a minute. Adventures come in all different sizes and packages. If you're a parent, you're living an adventure. If you're married, You're living an adventure. If you're at work somewhere, you're living an adventure. If you have family and friends and relatives and relationships and people who are counting on you, you're living an adventure. If you're working with non-Christian friends, you have an adventure. If you're living in a neighborhood where people don't really trust and obey and love Jesus and nobody gets along with anybody, you are living an adventurous atmosphere. Every one of us in this room has an opportunity to be salt and to be light and to reflect the glory of God in every one of our contexts all day long. Every one of us does. And when we see that Jesus Christ died for us, that Jesus Christ gave his life for us, that Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, we begin to recognize, wow, It's not just a good guy. His teachings aren't just, you know, legendary. He is the son of God called Messiah. And that changed everything for these disciples. And from this point on, these guys, with the exception of Judas, they were willing to live the adventure. 
Second of all, you're going to have storms. And during these storms of life, Friday I was in three different hospitals visiting three different people. One was 14 years old, one's 27 years old, and one is 78 years old. And they're all three medically challenged. All three of these families suffering incredible storms. And as I drove from hospital to hospital, it just, it just overwhelmed me with the fact that all of us, we're all going to die, and we're all going to have problems, and we're all going to have pain, and, and Jesus didn't come to take away the pain and take away the problems. He came to help us to bring him glory through all those problems and through all, that, all those storms of life. And so this passage of Scripture shows me that maybe, maybe I have enough faith to live my adventure. But I'm not sure yet I have enough faith to live through the storms. And it's only when you and I live through the storms is when our faith is really tested and we recognize whether or not we have the faith that, that is required for that. And so Peter, he had enough faith to live his adventure. He got out of the boat, but he didn't have enough faith to live through the storm. Lord, save me. Don't you care? We're perishing. But it was when they got a revelation of Jesus that everything in their life changed. In your bulletin, I've got some things that maybe help you fill some of this out. So I want to ask you to look at your bulletin, and I'm going to walk us through three of these questions, and then we're going to have a decision. I'm going to ask you to make a decision. And so this is a sermon that's for you. Uh, it's for you to change your faith quotient, and for you to change how you grow in your faith. So number one, I want to ask you this. And into what adventures is God calling you? Think about your adventures. How many adventures is God calling you? Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Do you have aging parents? Do you have unchurched family members? And to what adventures is God calling you to do? When it comes to living for Christ, has God called you to be a teacher of children? God called you to go on short-term mission trips. Into what adventures is God calling? I want you to figure this out and to think through this. Into what adventures is God calling you? This is your context. Now, if you don't know the answer to this, I want to encourage you to go out to Philippe Park or John Chestnut or something today and stop and think about this and analyze this. Number two, and what are the challenges? What are the challenges that, that go with your adventures? So I've got all these different adventures, but, but what are the challenges that I have in my life currently of, of living those? Number three, when does faith grow the greatest? The answer to that is what? Pressure, struggles, challenges, heartache. When, when does your faith and my faith grow the greatest? When we know that we know that we know God is in our lives and he's helping us through those storms. So I've asked you to make decisions during this message series. Um, the very first week we talked about Christian baptism and we used the whole story of Jesus being baptized. And I talked about if you've never been baptized into Christ on June the 23rd, we're going to go to Honeymoon Island Beach that afternoon and, and baptize you. And I think we've got over 50, over 50 people so far have signed up to be baptized on June the 23rd. That's going to be a great day. It's going to be an awesome. That's awesome. That is. We've got 50 of you so far. Then I ask you the next week to pre-decide how you would handle temptation. 
Because once you get into temptation, it's too late. There's too much struggle. There's too much power. There's too much pull. So I ask you to pre-decide how you would handle certain temptations before you ever got into into those. Today, I'm going to ask you this. Look at the next slide, if you would. Here's a decision for today. I've decided that my adventures are secondary, but my faith development is primary. This is a decision I w- I'm asking you to make. You see, you're going to live adventures. You're going to live a whole lot of adventures, and you're going to enjoy your adventures. But really, folks, your adventures are secondary to the development of your faith. Because if you live for your adventures, you're just really living for yourself. But if you live to grow your faith, then God will work through your adventures and he will guide you through the storms. And so, how do you grow your faith? How does your faith grow? Well, number one, you recognize who he is. It's the same things we tell you every week. To read your Bibles, to pray, to be in community with men and women, to let other brothers and sisters in the church grow you and help you and strengthen you. You and I have got blind spots. I can't wait till we get to July and August. I'm going to do a whole series on blind spots. We can't see our own blind spots. And so we've got men and women involved in our lives who help us. But here's a decision I'm asking you to make. I'm asking you not to live for yourself. I'm asking you to live for Christ and for Christ to be able to transform and grow your faith. I've decided that my adventures are secondary, but my faith development. I need to grow my faith. I need to get greater faith. I need to get stronger faith. If I'm in the middle of a storm, would I call out to Jesus and ask Jesus to let, to let me come out of him and, and to walk on some water for him? And so this is a sermon, a message, to focus on your faith and how can it grow and grow and grow and it makes you healthier and healthier and healthier. Did most of this make sense this morning? Yes. Did most of it? I, I think it's hard. I... I I I think this is a stretch. I do. And what I want you to remember from this message today is this. He had enough faith to live his adventure. But he didn't have enough faith to live through the storm. And it was when he recognized who Jesus Christ was. Truly you are the son of God. Is when he had the strength then to live through it all. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer partners, if they would, to come down front. And our prayer partners are here every Sunday. And they're here to bless you and to pray with you and to help you and to encourage you. Uh, Maybe today you would like to give your life to Christ. You've never become a Christian. Today we encourage you to give your life to Jesus. But specifically today, perhaps your faith is struggling. Perhaps your faith is weak. Perhaps you're you're, you're disappointed that your faith isn't where you want it to be. And so today, maybe you come down front and you would ask somebody to pray for you to have stronger faith and that you would have greater faith. And maybe today, you still haven't really figured out your adventure. I know I'm a mom. I know I'm a dad. I know I'm a coach. I know, but I really haven't quite figured out what my adventure is supposed to be for Christ. Well, maybe today you'll come down and ask somebody to pray with you and to pray for you and to pray over you, and they will, okay? Maybe it's to be baptized. 
Maybe you're number 51 or you're number 52. I don't know what the numbers are. Go out to the Connect desk. Sign up to be baptized for June the 23rd or before that or after that. If you can't do it on June the 23rd. And we will baptize you into Jesus Christ. Maybe today this is like really overwhelming to you. You've not been to church in like 10 years. Okay? This is a big day. Just come back. Just come back. And a little bit more will make more sense next week. Just keep coming back. And I promise to keep doing a better job. And it will make more sense every single week. All right. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are the Son of God. You are the great I Am. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who provides. You are Jehovah uh, Rapha, the God who heals. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You are Yahweh, the great I Am. And we worship you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.